You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today on the show, Ben Solak from the Draft Network, from the Locked On NFL Draft Show, and of course, he has an Eagles podcast as well that you should check out. Highly recommend everything Ben does. He is one of the, the smartest guys around, and, and we we have a smart guy week because Ben Fennel comes on. You've got Ben. This is this is really a, a, a great week to get your, your football nerdery on, and so that's what we're going to do because I think, frankly, the, the matchup here is – it's not enticing in terms of, oh, you've got a great offense versus a great defense or you've two great quarterbacks. No, Carson Wentz isn't that. And we're going to talk with Ben about that, of course. Before we get to Ben, though, today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Before we get to Ben, there's something I that I think we have to talk about because it is the one way the Eagles can ruin this game. It is the one way the Eagles can create problems for the Packers, and that is up front. This front four is really, really good. And so the onus will be on the offensive line to make sure that they do not let down. In the the Tampa Bay loss, Green Bay loses that football game because they cannot block the Tampa front. Not just the defensive linemen, but the linebackers as well. And you know the the Colts game and the and the Vikings game are really not about the defense. It's really not about what you know they were able to do to slow down the Packers or anything like that. Really, I mean, it's let's just call it what it was. Those were games that. The offense had a chance to win and they couldn't do it. And and the Colts game, you know, we can complain about what the defense did or, did or didn't do. But Green Bay's offense, they didn't have a problem with moving the ball. They didn't have a problem with the pass rush. That was not an issue. It was really just that one game. Well, this is something that can still happen with Philadelphia because they are fourth in adjusted sack rate. They are really good stopping the run. Fourth in adjusted line yards. Second, empower success rate. That's a football outsider stat. And when it comes to what they're able to do rushing the passer, they have a, a slew of guys. I mean, a bunch of dudes who can get it done. They're sixth in team pass rush win rate. If they can create pressure on Aaron Rodgers, then the man coverage that Jim Schwartz wants to play becomes a little bit more effective because you can knock off timing 
and you can get the Packers out of rhythm a little bit. If Rodgers is not hitting his back foot and getting the ball out like he wants to, if he is not able to, on play-action shots, hold that extra half second to let Devontae Adams or MVS or Alan Lazard spring free, then that can create problems for the offense. Defensively, I don't think Green Bay is going to have much issue stopping Carson Wentz. This offense has been a complete train wreck. We talked yesterday with Lily Zhao about not wanting it to be a get-right game for the Eagles. If they were going to have a get-right game, it was going to be Monday against the Seahawks. And it could still happen. This is still the NFL. Carson Wentz still has plenty of talent, and there's talent on this this Philly offense. But the defense is where they they can really muck up this game. The counter for Green Bay is they have been the best offensive line in football all season by ESPN's pass block win rate, which means you have to hold your block for two and a half seconds. That's a win. If you don't get beaten two and a half seconds, that's a win. Ball's got to be out for the quarterback. Green Bay is number one. To give you an idea of how much better they are, than most other teams. The New Orleans Saints has a really good offensive line. Taron Armstead, Ryan Ramchek, they've got a, a stud group along the offensive front. The Saints are fifth in pass block win rate. Okay, the difference between the Packers at one and the Saints at five is the same gap in terms of the frequency with which their offensive linemen win is the same gap Between the 5th ranked Saints and the 19th ranked Panthers. The Packers are so good. They make an elite offensive line like the Saints look like a middling offensive line like the Panthers. Now the gap is not quite as big in terms of the run run block win rate. But Green Bay is still number one in run blocking win rate. And when you look... At the individual numbers, it's not hard to understand why. Billy Turner, number one among offensive tackles in the NFL this season in pass block win rate. Number one, Billy Turner, the same guy a lot of Packer fans wanted cut last offseason. That is not hyperbole. That is a thing that happened. It was all over Packers Twitter. It was all over my mentions. You wanted him cut like Devontae Adams early in his career. He is playing at an extremely high level, a Pro Bowl, if not all Pro level. He probably will not get all Pro, just too many big names ahead of him. But in terms of what he has brought to this team, it's the stabilizing factor at right tackle without Brian Bulaga. He has been invaluable to this football team. David Bakhtiari, the $100 million man, is third among offensive tackles. Both guards also in the top 10. In pass block win rate, Lucas Patrick is ninth. Elton Jenkins is 10th. Yes, you would have thought Jenkins was higher, but still. And he was last year. He was awesome last year, too. And Corey Lindsley is third among centers. All five. All five. Packers offensive linemen are in the top 10 in pass block win rate. They get it done. And so for the Eagles, you're going, okay, this is this is what we're going to do. Malik Jackson, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett, all these guys. Jim Schwartz occasionally will bring a pressure, although he wants to he wants to beat you with four if he can and play man behind. This is how the Eagles can create problems. They did it in the the Thursday night game last year. Derek Barnett gets a sack fumble. 
Now that was Mercedes Lewis blocking on a on a shot play where they tried to get Rodgers on a little bit of a half roll to create a play down the field, and, and Rodgers doesn't feel Barnett coming. It's a fumble, and that changes everything about that game. Remember, though, Aaron Rodgers absolutely sliced and diced that Philly defense. This offensive line has been playing at an extremely high level, an extremely high level this season, and it is a huge reason, and a reason that I don't think has gotten enough credit. I will take some blame for that. I have a platform, and I could be talking about it more. I just know that a lot of people's eyes start glazing over when we talk about offensive line play, but especially when it comes to Billy Turner, who was unfairly maligned as a Packer last year. He has been a stalwart. And this Packers offensive line is just going to keep on keeping on. Corey Lindsley's not going to play this week. Elton Jenkins is going to play. And for my money, Elton Jenkins can legitimately be the best center in football in a year. In a year. This time next year, if Jenkins is the full-time center, he can be the best center in football. He's that talented. He's that good. He's that smart. He's that capable. He can do it. He could do it tomorrow. But by next year, we will be talking about him like he's the best center in football. Lucas Patrick, a capable right guard, steps in. Green Bay had the foresight a few years ago to pay him when he was a backup. And here he is stepping in. He looks like a real NFL caliber, above average, starting right guard. And now you can just plug and play John Runyon Jr., who's been stellar. Aaron Rodgers called him Mr. Reliable on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week. They trust him to come in, play left guard. He can be their left guard of the future. He's done everything they've asked him to do this year. Done it on short notice. Had to play in week one. Had to come in and play DeForest Buckner. They're getting him here and letting him run power schemes where he's pulling and taking on guys in the hole, and he's doing it. He's getting it done. One of the big reasons why we got to kill the narrative about the Packers and tough physical defenses, blah, 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 is because this offensive line will manhandle you. And that is one of the reasons why I've pushed back so vigorously on this because I'm like, you are not giving this offensive line the credit they are due. They've been the best group in football with a bullet. They have been by far the best offensive line in the league this year. By far. And that has pushed this offense forward. We have to recognize that because there are going to be teams when the Packers have to play the Saints. They're going to have to deal with Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport and Trey Hendrickson. And when they play the Seahawks, okay, the Seahawks don't have anybody. When they play the the Buccaneers in the playoffs, when they play the Rams in the playoffs, they're going to have to be able to block these guys up. And if they can, and if they can do it against Philly, they're going to win, I think, going away. And if they can do it against these other top teams in the NFC, then that, as much as anything else other than quarterback, is the reason this team can not only contend for a Super Bowl, but win one. Before we get to Ben, let's talk about our friends at Built Go. You've heard me talk about Built Bar. Well, Built Go is a partner product. And you know it's going to taste good because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever Built Go is also going to be delicious, but it's a little bit different kind of product. It's 
energy, energy in a one and a half ounce package. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine or put it in your pocket just to make it through the day. It's like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's there to help you push through whatever wall you need to push through mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever you got. This is going to give you the pep in your step to get there, but it's natural. So you're not going to have that crash. You're not going to have that gross feeling. You know, you had a Red Bull and an hour later, you just, you want to take a nap. That's not what's going on here. And then it comes in three delicious flavors. That's the best part is it doesn't taste like chalk. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. These are delicious flavors from the people who brought you the most delicious protein bar ever. Visit buildgo.com and use promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at buildgo.com. Let's go. Tomorrow on the show, it is our live show, Periscope. At 5.30 Central Time, catch us there. After that, it'll be in your podcast feed talking about the injury report and taking your questions. Send them in on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline to get ready for Packers Eagles. All right, let's get to our conversation with Ben Solak. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. He is a senior writer at the Draft Network. He is the deputy editor at Bleeding Green. And he's got a great Eagles podcast with Michael Kiss that you should check out if you want to get behind enemy lines a little bit with what's going on here over at Bleeding Green. Ben, thanks for coming on Lockdown Packers. No, I appreciate you having me on, Peter. It's uh, always good to hang around within the Lockdown family, even if it, I'm usually not in an Eagles capacity, but I can get it done. Well, that is that is indeed why you are here. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's even though you're not the, the Eagles guy for Lockdown, you do have an Eagles podcast, so it's not like, you know, you, you don't have that content, and I'm happy to to have you on to promote that part of it as well. Let's talk about this Eagles team that really everything, the discussion around this team starts and ends, it seems, with Carson Wentz. First, let me ask you it this way. Do you think that part of it, that it seems to start and end with Wentz, is fair? Sure. You know, At the end of the day, not only can your team not be good if your quarterback is bad, but also you can't build a team around a bad quarterback and that those might sound like the same thing but they're a little different you know howie roseman comes under a lot of fire for the way he's built this team and appropriately so but he built it uh, across the course of 2017 and 2018 and 2019 under the assumption that carson wentz was a good quarterback right. <laughs> and that he had that player to build around and you don't really you know when you go about your team building you don't stop and think to yourself all right and what's my trap door in case my quarterback falls off a cliff you know you you, you can't build a team that way you'll never kind of commit the way that you need to to really make a competitor and so for roseman and and the same thing is true for peterson you know you're going to get monday to monday national you know uh uh, analysts and nfl guys and and local guys all asking where's the creativity in the offense well the creativity in the offense died pretty quickly with the quarterback Uh, when when, when they became clear the quarterback was struggling they tried to simplify things to to get his sea legs back under him to find out that which he does successfully i mean it's easy stuff that that went struggles with and so it does start and end with the quarterback. There's a lot of blame to go around to a lot of people. Wentz's uh, fall, Wentz's decline has been so steep, so sudden. It can't just have been him. You know, it takes a village to get this bad this quick. So it's not to exonerate anybody, but it is to say that if your quarterback's playing poorly, it's extremely difficult to do anything well, short or long term, in, in a significant fashion. And so it does start and end with Wentz. And if there's going to be 
a, an improvement for the Eagles this season that actually gives them a glimmer of hope for 2021 and beyond. It won't be, oh, the tackles are playing better. Like, oh, the, the offensive scheme finance, or it'll be Wentz improving. That will be what they, they need to see to feel good moving forward. I, I want to talk about some of the ancillary pieces here too, but I, I think that there is a real question to be asked. He has the one season and it wasn't even a full season. The rest of his NFL resume is kind of spotty. Are, are we sure mm-hmm. That that one season wasn't a sort of Robert Griffin the third type aberration, and that this is more like the guy that he is because it's it's the guy that he's been over. You know, if we take the preponderance of the evidence, right? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you've got the the twenty seventeen season, which was MVP caliber, and then you have twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. And when we didn't yet see twenty twenty, we said, all right, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, not as good as twenty seventeen still workable now that we've seen 2020 it's oh we're 2018 and 2019 trying to tell us something right were they mm-hmm. trying to to illustrate you know what what was coming around the mountain it's worth you know in 2018 the, the sensation was that Wentz never played healthy the sensation was that he hadn't fully recovered from the knee injury and multiple ligament tears and then obviously he eventually does get sidelined for a back injury he had a, a spinal fracture he played with for a couple of weeks before the eagles doctors really got a, a feel for what was going on and, and you know felt the need to to bench him to shelf him for the rest of the year 2019 was the year that the injuries and the poor wide receiver play really really started and and through 2017 2018 and 2019 they had been trying to bring in veteran receivers and make sure that they were nfl ready so that they could immediately turn around and generate a good offense and then in 2019 with a healthy wentz and a wentz who largely played well like largely played fine mm-hmm. in, in 2019 they just had such issues in the wide receiver core and even issues on the offensive line and so when you say who is wentz it's difficult. I don't think you're able to lump 2018 and 2019 in with the 2017 season, nor with the 2020 season. I think if you're talking ceiling and floor, it's 2017 and 29 and 2020, and 2018 to 2019 is probably more so just a middle of the road what Wentz potentially could be. And there were games where he was a limiting factor. There were games where he was the only reason they were still in it. And so if you're looking at a high ceiling, low floor quarterbacks, got some variance to him, can be a starting caliber player. Well, th- that's that's fine. You can win with that guy. You can go pretty far with that guy. Obviously, it's not like having the competitive competitive advantage of a Mahomes or a Watson or what have you, but that's still workable. And so the goal for Philadelphia uh, moving forward, a, a new head coaching hire, a new general manager, new players, whatever it is, it won't necessarily be getting once back to 2017. If they just get him back to 2019, they'll be fine. As one of the biggest Watson stands out there, I am heartened that you said Watson in the same breath with Mahomes but as the host of a Packers podcast I am legally required to be aggrieved that you did not say Aaron Rodgers yeah yeah I was thinking young guys I usually do Uh, so the the weapons that was that was the thing this offseason they went aggressively in the draft Jalen Rager um, John Hightower uh, they added Marquise Goodwin and and you look at the weapons they had the sort of weapons overhaul that I think a lot of Packer fans were looking for, but you have the injury to Zach Ertz, Jalen Rager gets hurt. And then this decline from Wentz, if those guys start to get back and and now, you know, Rager has been getting some snaps, they're going to get Ertz back from injury. What can those guys do to help make this offense a functioning NFL offense? Cause I saw the, the stat from Aaron Schatz over at football outsiders that Wentz is on pace to have the worst, the worst season by defense adjusted yards above replacement in their charting history. Yeah, no, it's, it's really quite special. Uh, <laughs> with, 
with new receivers, well, I, I shouldn't say new, really, with returning receivers. Zach Ertz, a guy to whom Wentz has thrown the ball for so long. Dallas Goddard, even back now, who, who Wentz has had for a couple of years. The hope is to find players with whom Wentz is familiar. Right. Uh, because a lot of the issues in 2019 and early in 2020 boiled down to familiarity and trust. Wentz is uh, disturbingly trusting as a, as, as a quarterback. He is very oriented on who he trusts and who he believes, you know, he who, who he thinks is going to be where, where they're going to be, when they're supposed to be there, getting to his routes. The Eagles playbook is very option route heavy. There's a lot of changes, a lot of side adjustments. So he has to have that chemistry with his pass catchers. Concerningly, through most of 2020, even with those guys such as Ertz and Goddard and Alshon Jeffrey and players he's played with before, Miles Sanders, that chemistry has not been there. He's really, really shaky. There are significant confidence issues with Wentz as a player. And so when you see the the returning uh, you know, weapons, Jalen Rager's been back in the lineup for a couple of weeks, Zach Ertz potentially off of IR, the hope is that with better playmakers, you're going to get more chemistry. That may have already been disproven. That may end up completely empty. Furthermore, when you look at what you've got with playmaking ability, ball in hand ability. The, the Eagles really tried to prioritize speed in this last year's draft with wide receiver. They brought in Jalen Rager, who struggled as a rookie, and then John Hightower and Quez Watkins, both of whom don't really get snaps. You're still looking at a room that's uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward, Zach Ertz. A lot of guys who aren't very good at yards after the catch, aren't very good at creating for themselves. So the onus is still on Wentz to generate the majority of the yardage in the passing game with his air yards, with the depth of his target, which is he's terribly struggled downfield so far this year with his accuracy and so the return is exciting in that these are familiar names and it feels better that zach Ertz is taking snaps over richard rogers right. that feels like it should matter but also uh, it, it's it's concerning when you start to get into the meat and potatoes start to really look into it it's it's difficult to believe this will actually make the offense measurably better i'm sure my listeners uh can commiserate uh we have lived the richard rogers life and um, yeah, we we understand how that works. Uh, before, right. before we move to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I, I do have to ask about Travis Fulgham because he was someone who had a cup of coffee with Green Bay in the preseason. Right. I think if yeah. there if there had been a a normal training camp that wasn't uh, you know completely turned on its head by COVID. I think there's a better chance that that Fulgham would have had a chance in Packers camp. There's a chance he makes the roster. They had to move on when uh, when their long snapper got healthy in retrospect, quite the sliding door. What have you seen from Fulgham this season? Because he looks like, you know, a, a revelation at times. Sure. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, he, he led the NFL in receiving yards through weeks five through eight. And now they just don't throw him the football, <laughs> which is an interesting choice when you don't have any other option. It's one way to go. Uh, yeah, and, and the simple reality is that they would like their receiving core to feature players who have better route running and separation ability than Travis Fulgham, who is largely successful as a contested catch player. However, they have not yet accepted the reality that they don't have that receiving core. Greg Ward, who's you know quick and fast, he's not a very good separator. As a route runner, he's still, I think, below average. Jalen Rager, who's explosive and has the downfield ability, is, is struggling to separate from NFL caliber corners. So you're throwing contested balls anyway. 
And, and they throw a lot of contested balls to their 5'10 rookie, who's not necessarily the best deep ball track and adjust player you've ever seen. Right. Meanwhile, you have Travis Fulgham, who if there's anything he does well, it's deep ball track and adjust. It's contested catches. That's how he was successful against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, against the Baltimore Ravens in, in the middle of October. And so if there were humility, if there was a, an acknowledgement of, of the status of their receiving core, as, as dire as it is, then they would use Fulgham more because he's their best option for their reality, which is we don't have players who separate, but because they want players who separate because that's what they hope for. That's what they style themselves as they continue to try to work Greg Ward and Jalen Rager. And perhaps those reps will be good for Rager and Ward long term. That, that argument is there and I think it's valid. But short term, Fulgham was the only good thing you had in the passing game all year. And you're now phasing him out for what seems to be a fantasy. So the contested catch, uh, you know, the, the the trust, right, throwing those those covered to uncovered balls. Wentz seemed to like throwing to Fulgham. And now Fulgham's seeing fewer snaps and routes than Alshon Jeffrey, who's 33 and can't jump. It's it's a very peculiar situation. Yeah, it, Fulgham in some ways seems like he is just sort of like a younger version of what Alshon Jeffrey has to be at this point in his career. So... Right. It, it, it's uh, it is, as I said, one way to go um, defensively. Uh, the, the defensive coordinator in Philly, Jim Schwartz, is someone that at least Aaron Rodgers has seen his fair share of um, Packer fans know him from his time in Detroit. This is a front that can get after you and, and they want to play a lot of man coverage on the back end. We saw it have some success against the, the Seahawks, held them you know, under 30, and this is a highly combustible offense, although DK Metcalf was able to get off. How do you think Philly is going to go about trying to slow down what has been the best offense in football outside of Kansas City? Yeah, well, the, this is a Jim Schwartz defense, and then Green Bay fans who remember Jim Schwartz as the head coach in Detroit will know Jim Schwartz is going to do what Jim Schwartz does. If it works, it doesn't work. If it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, Jim Schwartz and the Eagles play uh, about as much cover one, about true man coverage as any team in the league this year. And the acquisition of Darius Slay, you know, is a corner in Detroit. It's a large part of that. Uh, Darius Slay obviously got his cleats handed to him by DK Metcalf on Monday Night Football. Uh, Slay historically had more success against players of Devontae Adams's mold and particularly of Devontae Adams playing him twice a year, uh, where, where he doesn't have to worry so much about the other dude being 6'3", 225. Mm -hmm. You know, Darius Slay is not the biggest guy on the face of the planet. Uh, and so they'll have Slay shadow Devontae Adams, and they'll live with that matchup. You know, they, they showed against Seattle. I mean, they they gave up DK Metcalf's single best game in his career and also still held the Seahawks to a pretty manageable score. Right. Uh, and so they'll, they will operate with, with Slay shadowing. They'll have their other corners operate on the outside and on the nickel, moving them around of Vontae Maddox, Nickel Roby Coleman, and Jalen Mills, who's kind of like a quasi slot and safety for them. And against guys like Marquez, Valdez Scanling, Equinemius St. Brown, uh, size is going to be to the, the Packers' advantage. The Eagles don't have a corner over five foot 11 besides Darius Slay. Mm. Uh, so they're going to struggle with size in those matchups. But they'll stick in man coverage. Uh, they'll go heavy boxes against the run. They'll they'll prioritize being gapped out against the run, having that extra guy in the box. Uh, and so it, it usually is a long day for running backs when they face uh, the Eagles. And then obviously that front four is where the strength of this defense is. And so if you're able to successfully take away Aaron Rodgers' first read, and the goal is to keep have him hold on to the football beyond that you know magical 2.5 second mark, well, then they expect their pass rush to get home, even against an offensive line like, like the Packers. Packers' offensive line is pretty good, though. And, and the Eagles' defensive line has been solid this year, but not truly elite the way that you have in, in like Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. And so I think that with, with the, the, the game boils down to what you get out of the Eagles' defensive trench versus the, the Packers' offensive trench, which it always does boil down to the trenches. But particularly here, if you're giving Rodgers time in the pocket, 
uh, and you're allowing him to get to second, third read, they do not have the horses and man coverage to survive, especially with Adams potentially you know, winning against Slay for four quarters in that matchup. So they're going to need to to get that pass rush quick, and they're going to need to be able to cancel Rodgers' first read in, in coverage. Uh, it's not great feeling to just sit in man coverage and ask Aaron Rodgers to dice you up. Uh, and, and you kind of anticipate them giving up some points. Rodgers has historically played well against Schwartz defenses. Uh, we'll see. You know, the, the Eagles have woefully neglected their safety and linebacker positions. Uh, they're likely to be starting... Uh, you know, or excuse me, not starting, but at least putting out in sub package some like UDFA rookies, and and it, it's a very weak weak point. So for uh, the longer Rogers holds the ball in the pocket without pressure, the more dangerous this game gets for the Eagles. I was going to ask you about that because their linebackers, I mean, it is a hodgepodge. It's the island of misfit, misfit toys. If we're if we're going to be in the holiday season. Mm-hmm. How have they been so good against the run? Because as you as you mentioned, I mean, this is a this is a I think they're eleventh in run defense DVOA. They've been able to give running backs problems. That is something that Green Bay has has struggled with at times. If teams can lock down Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and and force Aaron Rodgers to throw it, that they haven't always had those answers because they rely so heavily on play action. So how have they been able to do that despite, as you said, having some some really like replacement and sub replacement level guys at those positions sure yeah it's a for jim schwartz it's a numbers game and it's very funny i think one of the things when jim schwartz first came to philadelphia uh the narrative the story was plainly what's jim schwartz want to do he wants to get pressure with four his goal as a defensive coordinator number one priority is to get pressure with four and that's probably true Jim Schwartz probably says that when he does his day one install with the defense. That's probably the first thing he's got written on his PowerPoint. Right. But what Jim Schwartz really does prioritize above anything else, because he's played man coverage and zone coverage, and he's played guys in different spots and so on and so forth for many, many years. He doesn't do nearly as much wide. Nine stuff as he usually does. He's moved. He's changed a lot of things about his defense relative to personnel here in Philadelphia. But the one thing that remains true is that he's always gapped out against the run. He will always be plus one in the box. So if you put three, like when they played the Niners and they beat them this year in week four, when you put a fullback and a running back and two tight ends in there, Jim Schwartz will put 10 dudes in the box <laughs> and he will sit there with one corner against one receiver and he will say, if you want this matchup, go ahead and take it. I will not let you out gap me in the run. And his defensive line, his linebackers, accordingly, play very fast and very aggressive into gaps downhill against the run. This is why uh, misdirection runs do so well against Philadelphia. Wide receiver runs are historically good against Philadelphia. Quarterback runs, speed option, are all very good against Philadelphia because their ends, when unblocked, crash down very hard to the mesh point. And so when you think about your Tyler Irvin jet motions, the integration of Tavon Austin, whatever it is that, that, that the Packers are going to be able to do this week with him, but when you think about the, the how much Matt LaFleur prioritizes pre-stat motion, you start to integrate jet touches, you start to integrate th- that, that ability to quickly get horizontal on a defense. The Eagles unit is very susceptible to that because they put so many players in the box because they will, they will not let you get an angle on them vertically upfield and get to the third level. So so the the running game for Schwartz is not about talent. It's about numbers. And 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 through adding those extra bodies to the box, that's what allows you to let your defensive line just play one gap, play very aggressively uphill, and then obviously when it's play action, they're ready to rush the passer. Gapped out on the run game. Uh, not familiar with it in Green Bay here. Mike Patton does yeah, not Yeah, it's a care. very different philosophy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Mike Patton's mindset with his defensive lineman between the tackles is, all right, you three, handle six blockers. Right. right? And for Schwartz, it's, all right, you four linemen, 
handle four gaps and that's it. Everybody else will get everything else for you. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's certainly a contrast in styles. And, and unfortunately for the Eagles so far this season, it's been a contrast in productivity, uh, especially the offenses, the quarterbacks uh, and the defenses. Uh, and, and I think that's how Philly is going to have to win this game. They're going to have to win it similar to how they were going to have to win the Seattle game. Keep it in the 20s, maybe even the teens and, and try to win it that game that way. Uh, ben, let my listeners know where they can find all of the stuff that you're doing because you are everywhere yeah no so i appreciate you having me on and go go eagles fly eagles fly uh we're at locked on nfl draft and the locked on family and my draft work can be found at the draftnetwork.com for the eagles specifically however uh you'll find me at bleedinggreennation.com and bgn radio is the podcast awesome ben this is great if you are not following ben on twitter go do that and the draft network has quickly become an invaluable resource for nfl fans so if you are not familiar get familiar ben thanks for doing this I appreciate it, Peter. You be well, buddy. I want to thank Ben again for joining the program. Always great to connect with him. Locked on NFL Drafts is is one of the best shows on our network. It's one of the the most listened to shows on our network. So if you guys haven't checked that out, go check that out. And it's something that, of course, we are going to talk about in the offseason. We've got a lot of football to talk about in the meantime, so we are going to continue to do that. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.